This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, hello. Welcome to the July 16th edition of the Cardinals Insider Podcast. My name is Brett McMillan, not coming to you from Bush Stadium today, instead coming to you from a hotel room in Springfield, Missouri, because I'm wrapping up a trip to see the AA Springfield Cardinals. We'll have some TV content coming from that, as well as a discussion on the podcast next week with prospect Dylan Carlson. He is fresh off an appearance in the Futures game in Cleveland the other week. I talked a little about that with Dylan and also talked with his manager, Joe Cruzel about AA life. It's Joe's first year as the manager down here in Springfield and also got his thoughts on the very talented 20-year-old Dylan Carlson. So be sure to join us next week on the podcast. Again, the Cardinals Insider Podcast on the road in Springfield, Missouri. But this week we've got a flashback Friday, and it's with Dave LaPointe, who was here during a golden time in Cardinal history, the early 1980s. He was a part of that 1982 World Championship team, and boy, is he going to lay some awesome stories about the great Whitey Herzog with you throughout the course of this episode. I mean, the kind of stuff that just shows Whitey's baseball IQ, it'll really blow your mind, and I think that you'll enjoy it a great bit. He also just has some fun stories about his time playing in the big leagues. Uh, We do these uh, maybe once a month or so, I'd say, and they do them every single Friday home game at the Cardinals Museum over in Ballpark Village. If you pay to get into the museum, you can sit and listen to this intimate Q&A in the Sportsman's Park Theater area. It's right in the heart of the museum. And we bring in an alumni, Brian Finch, who knows more about Cardinal history than anyone I've ever met, uh, maybe except for Bill DeWitt III and Bill DeWitt Jr. Those guys could sit around, the three of them, and talk about Cardinal history till they're blue in the face. But uh, Brian is very knowledgeable. He has some great trivia and great questions and gets some great stories out of these guys. We had Kyle McClellan in his flashback Friday a couple weeks ago. If you missed it, I mean, there were some stories about the 2011 Cardinals championship run that uh, absolutely I was just delighted by as a fan, and I think that you would be too. So if you missed it, Go back, download that one, and check it out. It is an hour plus that is well, well worth your time. And I think you'll find the same about Dave LaPointe. Uh, He's a name that for some of our younger listeners, I mean, maybe you didn't see him play in person like I didn't, but you know that that was a great year in 1982 and some great teams under Whitey Herzog in the early 80s. And so there's a lot of respect and just oodles of great stories that came out of this conversation. If you want to know more about Flashback Friday, you can head on over to cardinals.com slash museum. Again, you pay to get into the museum, and not only do you get a world-class experience over there on a Friday, but you also get to sit down and listen to this Q&A, any Friday home game here in the 2019 season. So without further ado, it's Brian Finch hosting and Dave Point sitting down to answer questions it's Flashback Friday on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. You weren't drafted by the Cardinals. You came up with the Milwaukee Brewers. What was it like um, coming up with another major league organization? And what was your welcome to the big leagues moment? Well, the interesting thing is coming up through the Brewers and managed to play 
uh, pitch and, and get one win in the American League before I was traded over to the Cardinals. Went back down to AAA in the 81 season and then was up in September. And then the ironic thing is 1982 in the World Series facing the Milwaukee Brewers. So most of the guys that had raised me in the baseball world were over in the other dugout, and, and they, they knew more about me than I think the Cardinals did at the time. And uh, uh, Moose Haas was the, the pitcher probably that took me under his wing the most, and that's who I started against in game four. So we open up the 82 season. We break out of spring training in St. Petersburg. We go to Houston, and we're going to open up against the Astros. Well, it had rained so bad or snowed so bad in Milwaukee back in County Stadium that they could not go work out at their home field. So they flew to Houston and used the auxiliary clubhouse and they worked out in the Astrodome while we were opening up against the Astros. So we saw them our first game of the season, we saw them our last game of the season. <laughs> and then I was too close to them. So right. then, then, then they really knew too much about me. But uh, some ironic things, we were just walking or driving around out in uh, by Chesterfield and, and Marysville College out there and uh, Ted Simmons, who I was traded for, mm -hmm. such a great legend with the Cardinals, taught me my cut fastball. Okay. And it was out there at Marysville College that he taught me how to throw that pitch. Uh, we used to work out with Steve Carlton, John Denny, Andy Van Slyke. Huh. Um, and I would not throw it in a game until I saw Ted Simmons in spring training. And I threw that pitch, and I broke his bat in about five different places. <laughs> you want to hear some language being said to me going down the first baseline that day. That, that's a memorable day. But my welcome to the big league moment was opening day of 1982. We beat Nolan Ryan 15-4. to four. Wow. And I went, and swear to God, went to the hotel after the game. I called my mother. I said, I'll be home in about two weeks. If Nolan Ryan's given up 15 runs a game, I don't stand a chance up here. <laughs> so it's, it was kind of a wake-up moment. Now, we're going to have a little fun here. Not most players were wanted so badly that it took two future Hall of Famers to be traded for them. Well, we'll say future Hall of Famers. One's a Cardinals Hall of Famer here. But you were involved in a trade that included Raleigh Fingers and Ted Simmons. Now, of course, for the fans that don't have baseball reference in front of them, it, it, there are a few other players involved in the trade. Pete Vukovic right. was coming from the Cardinals. Right. Myself, David Green, uh, Sixto Lascano, and Jose Uribe Gonzalez, Uribe Gonzalez. Yeah, Uribe. There, are, there are a few names there. The original player to be named later. Yep. That's right. But uh, David Green was the key to that whole trade. You think so? Um, if you read Whitey's first book, they talk about that big trade that went down. Right. And originally in that trade, which happened at the winter meetings in December before, after 1980 season, before 81, I was supposed to be traded to the Cubs, okay. which my career wouldn't have lasted three months if that happened. Mm -hmm. But we were supposed to go, and, and uh, they wanted David Green, and we wanted somebody else back, and they just wouldn't go through with the trade. So luckily, thank God, that trade didn't go through. And then a couple <laughs> of days later, I guess, I guess it was that night, that Milwaukee came and uh, they were they were ready to to make the deal. I mean, what a deal it was! Of course, you know uh, Raleigh Fingers, the the player who was only a Cardinal for a day, effectively, you know maybe a couple little hours, longer, wasn't it? A couple hours even. But um, and you know, Gene, White, Gene Tennis. What what trade was Gene Tennyson? Oh, that was uh, coming here. Yeah, but you know Whitey got him and 
flipped him, and, and, th and that was that. But, uh, you know, so Whitey wanted you as well. And we'll talk about a little bit um, with your pitch arsenal with Whitey in a minute. But what was it like coming to the Cardinals and playing for Whitey Herzog? Um, I will say this. I, I came from a good manager. I came from two good managers. Okay. George Bamberger was the original manager of Milwaukee when I, when I was over there. Mm-hmm. And when he got sick, he was replaced by Buck Rogers. Okay. And they were both very, very good major league managers, and they, they, they'd won a lot wherever they'd gone. And, I, you know, Milwaukee had a pretty good team, and, and they raised us right. Okay. I, I, I knew it was pretty fundamentally sound when I got over here. But once we got with Whitey, and the way he would personally come and talk to you and describe what he wanted, mm -hmm. you know, what you could, what you couldn't do, he didn't expect too much. Your first couple of years, he wasn't going to make you try and do too much. And I'll tell you a story later about with, with the Mets series at the end, but he just made you feel at home. And, and he was, he's the one that I learned. He said that the three hours before the game and the three hours after the game are far more important than the three hours during the game. Mm -hmm. It made a lot of sense. He got to know his players. So that 82 season, we had six rookies. And I don't, I don't think anybody else has ever done that either. Right. So, he, you know, he made us all feel comfortable. We all knew our jobs. Uh, as George Hendricks said after the season, he goes, the hardest thing that, that's ever going to be for you guys is you just won your first year. You think this is how everybody plays. Right. When I got traded over to the Giants, I found out that's not how everybody plays. Mm -hmm. we, we're, I think we're in a, a week to go in spring training with the Giants, and we hadn't even gotten bunt plays in. So I was getting yelled at quite a bit on the Giants asking, why aren't we doing these things? And they just didn't understand. They, they'd never seen the, the good stuff. Right. Whitey said um, at one point that he thought you may have had the best changeup uh, in, in terms of some of the pitches that you threw. What was it about that pitch for you? Um, it was a grip that nobody else in baseball had. Okay. Um, there was only one guy that I ever ran across that knew what the name of it was, and that was <laughs> Hub Kittle. Okay. He'd been in, you know, probably 78 years in baseball. He knew it was called a slip pitch. Okay. He's the only one that knew how to coach me with it. Really? Um, I was taught that pitch. I was an A-ball with the Brewers. Basically, I was 18-year-old kid messing around with the 22, the older guys on the team, and they, they basically wanted to get rid of me. Get out of the <laughs> conversation, kid. Here's a grip. Go throw it against the fence. Come on back when you learn how to throw a changeup. Well, I was back there in about 10 minutes, and I had this pitch that, it had fastball spin, but would just keep diving away from right-handed hitters. Huh. The thing is, is back then in the days of Milwaukee, I was a really hard thrower. You know, I, was, I averaged 94 miles an hour with my fastball. Okay. I didn't need it. Right. So I never threw it. Later on in that season, I threw a fastball, and I broke a bone on my elbow. My velocity went from 94 to 87 overnight. Oh, wow. And then as the more and more the calcium grew off the bone, the slower and slower my velocity got. So... Being in AAA during the strike, Whitey came down to Springfield, Illinois, and uh, he said, young man, I want you to throw 70% change-ups tonight. And I said, Whitey, I'm no math I'm a genius, but if I throw 100 pitches, you want me to throw 70 change-ups? He goes, I've already told your catcher, and I'm going to be sitting behind home plate. So I'm going to know how many you threw. Well, we faced a team that had Bob Dernier, uh, Ryan Sandberg, Ozzie Virgil, the old Phillies AAA team. And I beat them 
I think it was 10 to nothing. I had 13 strikeouts. Oh, wow. And I threw 70 change-ups. <laughs> so he came up to me after the game. He said, young man, when this strike is over, you are going to be in the big leagues because nobody has that pitch. So the story, 82, I make the Cardinals go to the big leagues. We're facing the Dodgers out in Los Angeles back when Ron Say and Dusty Baker and, and Steve Garvey and all them. And I threw six and two-thirds innings. I threw 96 pitches. I threw 70 change-ups. So it wasn't just a change of speed. It was it, movement it, on it with a change of speed. Well, my, my feeling, being a coach, being a player, if you're going to pitch in the major leagues, you need a knockout punch. Okay. You need a 12-6 curveball. You mm -hmm. need a, you know, a high-riding 98-mile-an-hour fastball. You need a knockout punch. Uh, Carlos Martinez slider, something like that. I had one. So I didn't have anything else to go with it, but I had a knockout changeup, so I could, you know, Whitey liked it because I could throw it any time I wanted to, and they still couldn't hit it. Okay. Was there something about the grip, something about your delivery that was a little different to throw off the hitters, or you just knew you could throw it for strikes when needed? You knew you could get well, the swing the, and the, miss? The grip itself, you, you hold it with your thumb and your ring finger, Okay. and you push the far ball really far back in your hand. You can't throw it hard if you want to. Mm -hmm. The thing that was interesting about it is be where the thumb caught it, it gave it a tight spin. And you see now when you see a, a, a circle K change up or a split mm -hmm. finger, it's got a distinct spin. You can see mm -hmm. it doesn't look like a fastball. Right. Mine looked like a fastball, which made it harder uh. to, to, to gauge. The Cardinals celebrate the 2004 National League Championship anniversary weekend, July 26th through the 28th. There are great promotional giveaways all weekend long, including a replica 2004 jersey, a 2004 NLCS ring, and the MB3 triple bobblehead featuring Roland, Edmonds, and Pujols. Tickets at cardinals.com promotions. So clearly you're, you're up now with the 1982 team. At what point with that team did you feel like something special was happening? Because really the 1982 team... You didn't start off with a bang. The, the team was kind of middling, you know, into June. You, you wouldn't that you were playing poorly, but uh, the, the, the team was a bit above average and, and really hadn't found their stride, you know, really didn't take off until midseason. At what point did you all feel like as a group, we've got something going here? Well, you realize that that 81 team had a good team and a good record. That's the true. The strike hurt them. Right. I was up in 81 with the team, so I felt a little of what was going on. Okay. It wasn't really a tradition of winning. Mm -hmm. It hadn't been there in a while right. since 68, you know. So it had been a while since they really, you know, felt like they were winning. All of a sudden, it was like Whitey started doing interviews in the paper of, you know, we're looking a little bit better or we're competing with the big boys or we're going to win this series. And um, we never lost more than three games in a row, mm. I, I don't think, until the last four games of the season. And then we had already clinched. So there were three, the, the big deals along the way were, I don't know which happened first, when Brummer stole home um, against the Giants or when Suter got the 1-2-3 double play mm -hmm. against Mike Schmidt in mm -hmm. Philadelphia. Now, that, we, there was a few of us jumped off the bench on that one. That was, a, <laughs> that was a Hall of Fame versus Hall of Famer, pennant stretch, heat of the season, we look like if we get beat this game, we're going to be a few games out. We're not going to be able to bounce back. 
Brummers was just something that only Brummer could do. Well, well, let's talk about that a little bit. So that was late August, I think August 22nd. Um, you know, extra innings at that point. Where were you when Brummer stole home? We we hear the oh, fan stories, but I'm not pitching that game, so I'm on the bench. I'm okay. not allowed. I'm not allowed to leave, so I'm watching this whole thing. <laughs> and, and as pitchers are, we're you know, Whitey's down there. We didn't want him to know what we were saying down the other end, but we're all kind of now we're kind of moving towards the middle of the bench. Like, damn, he looks like he's gonna go. <laughs> he's gonna go. Oh my God, he's going. <laughs> and it was there was such silence. You know how they do in movies, like a, a, a moment can take 20 seconds in slow motion? It was like, you know, we're all wondering what's going on. And David Green steps out of the box. Dave Pallone steps out of the box. The pitch is right down the middle for strike three, which he calls for a ball. And Brummer steals home and jumps up and just jumps. I don't know if it was Greeny's arms he jumped into. Maybe who was up after Green. Somebody <laughs> That's a good Dexter. question. I have to look at the he picture. He jumped up in his arms. And we went just crazy and then so now frank robinson's coming out to argue gary lavelle was the pitcher bob brenley i think was the catcher they're arguing and it starts at home plate and they're really going at it they're really you know spits coming out and their jaws are flying the ground screw it's going to rain about 15 minutes so they turn on the electric tarp and it starts rolling <laughs> well this this <laughs> argument that started at home plate now has walked all the way out to left field and they're still <laughs> arguing and we're still standing on the bench waiting like all right Something's going to happen. They're going to overturn us and call him out. But it just got funnier and funnier. Uh, the next day, uh, we they got home plate. We all autographed it. They had a, a, a gypsy belly dancer come in and present them home plate, and <laughs> we were off and running. <laughs> then so the, the, the next one that put us over the top, I think, and I'll, I'll, I'll hold my story for this in a second, but we had to go in to play the Mets five days, five games in three days in Shea Stadium, and Ozzie got hurt right before the series. And, you know, you're not, Ozzie wasn't, you know, he didn't drive in a lot of runs. He really didn't hit back in 82 too much. But, man, we're, we know what the defense means. And, you know, in, in my opinion, the best defense in the history of baseball was that 82 team. Um, but we didn't have Ozzie, so we had Mike Ramsey. But, because of the way Whitey did things, everybody had played. Everybody was used to the situation. Nobody was going to be, you know, out there in pins and needles wondering what to do. And five games in three days, we sweep them five games, and Mike Ramsey has 32 chances and no errors. Wow. So that's, that's another thing with Whitey. But here's where he won me over for life. We um, go in. I'm from New York, so I probably went in early. But I'm sitting in the clubhouse with the guys and got out there probably at 1 o'clock playing cards. Hadn't been doing very well at the time. Whitey comes and he sits down and he goes, hey, mind if I play a hand with you? No. Oh, no. This can't be happening. This is late August. I'm going to get sent down now. I won't be in the playoffs of the World Series. They're going to cut me out of this. First thing he said, don't worry. I'm not sending you down. He said, you're getting a little tired physically, but more importantly, you're getting tired mentally. You're a rookie. You've never been through this. This is August. Why they call it the dog days of August. He goes, I'm going to take you out of the rotation. You're going to pitch in relief against the Mets. You're going to pitch in relief against the Pirates. You pitch good against them, you probably get a win. Then you're going to start the game in Montreal where we clinch the pennant. 
I relieved against the Mets. I pitched good. I, get, I gave up a home run to George Foster in the 10th. I got a loss in that one. Relieved against the Pirates. Got a win in that one. Started the game that clinched the pennant in Montreal. He had it that far mapped out. He just knew his players. He knew the situation. And he was just that far, you know, head and shoulders. I mean, I played for nine teams. I played for a bunch of managers. Right. I think I, with the Yankees, I had three managers in about four and a half hours. So <laughs> um, he's just the head and shoulders above anybody that I've ever been around. Hmm. And he's in the Hall of Fame now. I think he chose for it. Well deserved. I mean, he could have been. I, we all hated it that he never got another manager's job. He could have been commissioner very easily. Hmm. He just knows that much about the game. And, uh, um, you know, it's too bad somebody didn't – too bad they weren't in the book writing scheme way back during, you know, 82 to 87 where right. they could have really got him and got his ideas because he was just head and shoulders. I mean, little things. You go into spring training, I get traded over from an American League team. I get to spring training, and he pulls me aside. He goes, listen, you better learn how to bunt. If you can't bunt, you're never going to pitch more than five innings for my team. You're never going to get any wins. What good are you to me? Learn how to bunt. George Kissel, where are you? George Kissel, bring me down in the cages day after day after day after day. I learned how to bunt. I turned out yep. to be one of the best bunters on the team. So then Whitey would do this thing. He Before the game, you're going to pitch. He goes, listen, you get four bunts down today, I'll buy you a Cadillac. And I'm like, what did you just say? You get four bunts, I'll buy you a Cadillac. I said, all right. Going to Montreal. I go three for three right off the get-go. I'm pitching good, and we're hitting good, so I'm going to stay in this game, right? Get to the fourth time, I'm going up, and I have to sacrifice. I'm so nervous now, I can't even, I can't hold the bat. <laughs> I pop it up, or I strike out or something. I come back, he goes, here, I got you the Cadillac anyways. It was like a little toy. <laughs> about that. But take that Cadillac. That's the best I've seen in a long time. Thanks, Whitey. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> he would do stuff like that, you know? He was, he was just... Uh, 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 a lot of it's talk. You know, everybody else you're reading the paper. Whitey was a player's manager. That's mm -hmm. that's the only thing. He's the only guy I played for in the 12, 13 different years and all the different managers that he was down on the left and nobody on the right was second-guessing any of his moves. Mm -hmm. He made a move. We're like, eh, that's probably what we should have done right there. <laughs> I can't say it's the same for all the other teams. It's true. Now, You've been pretty straight here throughout this uh, chat we've had, but you had a little bit of a reputation for, um, you know, being maybe the clubhouse prankster. No idea what he's talking about. Well, you know, as as a member of the pitching staff, there was a lot of downtime. Anything that uh, you would do to um, pass the time for your next start or your next appearance that um, you might want to share with our guest here in the audience? At least that's PG. How's that? Yeah, I was going to look at a little guy right here in the front row. Let me think about <laughs> this. Uh, I guess anything I say is not good right now. <laughs> I was known for lighting shoelaces on fire. And a couple times along the way, although it was head-shaking funny, <laughs> one time the fact that I knocked myself out because I laughed so hard I hit a pipe. <laughs> um did that put you on the disabled list? Oh, we were in, when I was on the Giants, we are out in San Diego, and it, they had that, uh, the field-level dugouts. Okay. So, and my Kruko had a lot to do with this. He taught me 
proper ways and what not to do and everything <laughs> the else. The proper like way that. to play so, a prank. Well, there is. There's, there's there's a good way and a bad way. So there's this one guy. There's everybody's down here. One guy and then Jim Davenport, the manager. Well, I know Davy's watching the game, so this other guy's sitting this close. He can't be watching. So all I see is Bill Lasky's shoes. You know, there's number 49, I think he was, whatever. I see Lasky. I get a, a, a close hanger, tape the match to the end. I light the match. Now I'm sticking it through the little crack. And I light the guy's shoe on fire. Well, nothing's happening. The shoes, the lace is getting higher and higher. And all I hear is, you know, one, you freaking hemorrhoid. <laughs> he just screamed it out as loud as possible. And he's the only one sitting next to the manager. Well, I, I fired back. I hit my head on a pipe. And, I mean, I was out for, like, 20 seconds. <laughs> Kruko knew that I was lighting shoes on fire that day, so he went and he stole a pair of Bill Lasky's shoes. <laughs> he was wearing Lasky's shoes. So I let Kruko's shoes on fire anyway. But <laughs> I, one time I got Lance McCullers in San Diego and uh, top of the first inning. So nothing ever happens in the top of the first inning, right? That's right. No, it's the bottom of the first. I light a shoe on fire, and... It was ball one, ball two on Dal Murphy. As I light a shoe on fire, he kicks it. And as the shoe is flying midair with flame going, <laughs> Dal Murphy hits a three-run home run, the ball going the other way. Well, <laughs> kind of had to hide a little bit on that one. Yeah. Um, one time I got Ray Searich, who's here with the Pirates pitching coach. I got his uh, in a restaurant so bad that the, the tablecloth caught on fire. <laughs> So it's a long season, buddy. You get bored. You try things, okay? I, I'm not saying you should go out and do these. That's what I did back then. Yeah. There's other things you could do, like Bruce Bochy, the manager of the Giants, he used to sit out in the bullpen because he, he was third-string catcher. Yeah. He would put a, a wad of chewing tobacco in, and he would just chew it in little little dots, and he'd spit it on the back of the guy's back in front of him. <laughs> and the guy couldn't feel it because they were just little you know projectiles right. hitting him. Well, one time Lance or uh, Craig Lefferts came in to pitch. <laughs> we didn't know it was Craig Lefferts because he had he had blackened his whole number and name on the back of his jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. Uh, one time they started a fire in the bullpen of Chicago, and I think Carlton fisted. He wasn't playing that day, and it got so big that they called the fire company on us. That you know, in the <laughs> middle of the game, they're putting out a fire in the bullpen. So there's 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 things that went on. A little different time. Uh, you know what? It was it was part of the fun of the game. That's it was, right. You know, nowadays, as they say, it's you know it's twenty five guys, twenty five cabs. We were together. If we were going to clown around, we were going to do it together, mm -hmm. and we were going to get in trouble together, and and that's just the way it was. Uh, I I think that's a big thing missing from today's game is the camaraderie that goes along with the game. Um, there's a few other things that have changed that I'm not really happy with, but uh, that that's the big one that. You go around teams now, and it's, it's not the same. Pride Night returns to Bush Stadium on Friday, July 26th. With the purchase of a special theme ticket, fans will receive a Cardinals rainbow tank top. Come early for a pregame party in the Budweiser Terrace. Get your Pride Night tickets at cardinals.com theme. In terms of your teammates, uh, do you keep up with any of the teammates or roommates that you had when you were a big leader? Well, because of the Legends Camp, I see quite a few of them. Okay. Um, Milwaukee, um, from, they used to have a pitcher named Willie Mueller. If you remember uh, the movie Major League, uh -huh. 
Pete Vukovic was the first baseman yep. on the Yankees. Willie Mueller was the pitcher in that movie. Huh. So we have some good stories going way back. But um, I played on nine teams. I quit giving out Christmas cards after about the third one. Those cost a lot of money, so I quit doing it. <laughs> you mentioned our Legends Camp. That's the, the fantasy camp. Uh, the Cardinals host that each year uh, just before spring training. And Dave is uh, a longtime participant and um, uh, part of the fun-loving experience down there. So uh, fans, and, and uh, you don't have to be a Cardinals fan. We have some non-Cardinals fans that participate. I'm not Th sure This why. side of the big leagues, yeah. it is the most fun I have ever had around the game of baseball. It's incredible. You wear the, you know, you wear the uniform. You get dressed in the same clubhouse. You eat the same food they eat. You are walking around, you know, on the upper level. You've got, you know, for years, Lou Brock and Bob Gibson are there, but now you've got, Whitey and Ozzy and Willie and Edmonds and and now Vince Coleman and and Langford Langford yeah. all of those guys and then you've got the other you know you got your John Tudors and your Danny Coxes and Tom Pagnozzi and Tom Lawless and and Tito Landrum and you know Larry Walker you know comes down and joins us now it's like are you kidding me Rick Ankeel down there all the time just and it's it's like this. There's no hands off, stay away from me. Mm -hmm. Probably the greatest thing about the Cardinals is I have never seen anybody. Maybe one time with McGuire when they closed the stadium down, he was a little bit more prima donna-ish than the rest of them. I have never seen a day where we'll be down there telling stories and ragging and, and, and getting on guys and Lou Brock is the same as Dave LaPointe. You can say whatever you want to because he's going to fire back later. You know, having Bob Gibson tell Tim McCarver to shut up, I'm telling a story, you know, stay out of this one. You know, it's when they get going, they're just the family. And I think this is the only place that I've ever seen that the Cardinal Nation is as much family, you know, the players and, and, the, and the fans mm -hmm. are, there's not too much separating them. And that's, that has a lot to do with you guys, the city of St. Louis, the area, you fans, they're just, there's nobody better. Um, hmm. I married a an Italian from Brooklyn, and she was big-time Yankees. And I, we had this, went, went too far before wedding day of, there's no town like St. Louis for baseball. She goes, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I live in New York. I grew up in Brooklyn. There ain't nothing like the Yankees. I go, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to let you see. Hmm. So I brought her in. Uh, I think we did a winter warm-up. And we did, I forgot what else we did, but she walked around St. Louis, and she's probably now the biggest Cardinal fan there is, saying there is nothing like this town. And, you know, the, the way they invite us back, uh, no, no other team does this. Hmm. You know, the Mets had one old-timers game because a card show had invited everybody back. They just asked them to come over while they were there. You know, no, nobody does that. The, the, the What's that? I live in Tampa. <laughs> I'm not going to shovel any more snow if I don't have to, okay? <laughs> so you mentioned the Legends Camp. We do one of those now in Cooperstown, uh, so we take it on the road. Um, we started that last year. That was a lot of fun. We're going to go back um, in a little less than a month now. So we do one up at the Hall of Fame. And and even that. Day field. We, have, we can go to Cooperstown. We can have you mm -hmm. hook up with their guy and tell super-duper Hall of Fame stories, 
and have a Hall of Famer sitting right next to you with white gloves showing you the artifacts. You know, it's pretty incredible. Nobody else can do that. And pretty we, incredible. We have a guy. You know, Ozzy Smith was doing it, and it was it was like he was telling a story to himself. <laughs> you know that it was it's he's, we're we're all still little kids. We all, you know, we all go to bed at night, and when we wake up, some part of our dream says that Whitey called and. The Cardinals need me to come pitch again next week. I better get back in shape, and that, yeah. that'll never end. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, well, what are you staying busy with now? Um, well, I'm in town uh, today. We are doing a thing called Badges for Baseball. Okay. It's through the Cal Ripken Foundation and a country and western singer named Matt Stillwell. And what we do is we go to some of the underprivileged areas, and we take the kids, and we, we do a clinic. But basically, we are the conduit between the kids and the police. And we do the clinic, and it's really, it's not a hardcore baseball clinic. We're not teaching a lot about baseball. We're teaching a lot about friendliness and getting together and, and working side by side. So the police come right in alongside with us. They're teaching the kids. And, you know, a lot of these places that we go to, they're, you know, it, it's been a tough struggle for some of the kids that are there. And. I haven't seen one yet. We'll go in the first five minutes, and those kids stone faces. They're just, we've heard this before. What are you going to do? And by the end of it, they are smiling, laughing, holding our hands, sitting on our knee. You know, just we started off the day by going to uh, um, Academy Sports and the, I'm drawing a blank, the Dickey. Uh, Matthews Dickey. Matthew Dickey. Boys and uh, Girls Club. Boys and Girls Club. They had 10 of the kids come over, and they gave them a $100 shopping spree each kid. So they're, now we're off and running. We're, we're doing the, they're doing the clinic right now. All the kids will be coming over. We'll be on the field uh, 615, I think. One of the mm -hmm. kids will be throwing out a first pitch, and then we bring them all up to a suite, and they get to sit in a suite and watch a ball game, which, you know, good chance there's never, they're never going to do that or have that chance again. So, um, And when we – the police have as much fun as we do. As a matter of fact, over there today, they brought the SWAT machine, they brought a helicopter, and they brought the canine unit. So we're over there, you know, we want to see it too, you know, that's pretty cool stuff. We already did one in, uh, uh, we did one in Arlington already, we did St. Louis, uh, we're going to do Kansas City, LA, Seattle, Anaheim, San Diego, Minnesota. So we have a few few spots left, and um, seeing it's, 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 headed up by a lot of the guys that have done Cardinals Legends Camp. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance there's probably going to be a couple Cardinals uh, helping out along the way and doing these things. Sounds great. And you played for every one of those franchises, correct? I tried. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Had to you get know, in there. I, I was a left-hander. Everybody wanted me. I didn't throw 90 miles an hour, so nobody wanted me. Yeah. Whitey was the only guy dumb enough to trade for me twice. Hey. The only guy smart enough to release me twice. Back in my makeshift studio here in southwest Missouri, I'm glad that you enjoyed that conversation at least i hope that you enjoyed it just i mean i was rolling with some of those stories uh, just great insight from an era in the game that is certainly different than the era today both on and off the field not necessarily better or worse not a good or bad thing just different and it's it's interesting to hear that perspective hey like i said next week dylan carlson joins us he's the guest here on the podcast and you can get in touch with us anytime podcast with an s at cardinals.com we would love any positive review that you might leave on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. There we go. I couldn't couldn't get it uh, couldn't get it to the front of my tongue there. 
basically anywhere that you get your podcast, you can go ahead and, and you can leave us a rating or review. And we really do appreciate those. They really help out. It's been a fun year so far, and we'll keep doing these until the baseball season is over. Hopefully, that's after a long playoff run. We will see. It should be fun here in the second half of the season. It should be fun next week when Dylan Carlson joins us as our guest. Until then, for Brian Finch and Dave LaPointe, my name is Brett McMillan. Ben Holtmeyer voiced over our commercial spots today. We appreciate him adding another voice to the podcast. We'll talk to you next week on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.